Well, uh, a couple of things real quick before we jump into the word today. Uh, the first one is this. This month, on the fourth Sunday of the month, we are having a baptism service here. And so we're going to be baptizing a number of people. I want to encourage you, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ but have yet to take that step of water baptism, right after the service, you can come over to this area over here. We're going to have a baptism class. You can learn more about baptism, what it means, and, and why you should take that step. And then you can take part in the, at the end of this month. also want to encourage you today, uh, this week is a community group week, and so our community groups will be gathering together uh, to discuss uh, the word that we're hearing here on Sunday mornings, and so hopefully you got a note sheet as you came in the door. I want to encourage you uh, to pull that out and be ready to take some good notes uh, so that you can engage uh, with your community group or even your home this week, that you can uh, begin to share these things uh, one with another. Let me pray for the word before we uh, get into it today. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, that it is living, that it's active. We thank you today that you desire to speak to your people. And so in this moment, we just open our hearts to you. We say, Holy Spirit, speak to us, convict us where we need conviction. Lord God, change us. We don't want to leave here the same way that we came in. And so we just thank you uh, for your word. Give us hearts of expectation, even in this moment. Lord God, that you desire to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in a series on hearing the voice of God, and we've been talking for the last few weeks about what that looks like. But do you know one of the most basic claims of Christianity is that God speaks to his people? All throughout the Bible, you'll see these phrases, and God said, or the word of the Lord came to so-and-so, right? And there's really four primary ways that God speaks. There's many others, but four primary ways. It is, number one, through his word. Secondly, through circumstances in our lives. It's through other believers and through his church. Now, if you took just that first one, right, the word of God or the Bible, think about this. If God were to send you a personal letter, like you got it in the mail, it was signed God, right, would you put it aside until later or would you read it right away? You read it right away, right? You're opening that thing right up. But, but how do we know when God is speaking to us through his word? It's when we come to a place of recognizing this, that there's so much that we need to pray for. You see, when we come to that place of saying, man, I, I need to, to be in a place of prayer, then we've moved from just passively hearing the word to a place of listening to God and a place of obedience. God wants to speak to you personally. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Jesus wants a relationship with you and I, but here's the reality. There's no relationship without communication, right? Jesus is the good shepherd who desires to speak to his sheep, and the problem is not that he doesn't speak, but often that his communication is misunderstood. When my wife speaks to me, I have to admit there are times that I don't hear what she's saying. There are times that I misunderstand what she's saying. Any men with me today? I'm not alone, right? Um, you know, we go through those, those struggles, those challenges, okay? I'm sure I'm not the only one. Men, there's two things you need to understand about women, and I'm not quite sure what they are. But we have difficulty, right, in our relationships one with another, and so it's only right that sometimes we'd have difficulty in our communication with God. It's funny because whenever I share a meal with people who know I'm a, I'm a pastor, they usually say, Pastor, would you pray for the meal? 
And I, I think that maybe they think I have a direct line with God that they don't have. Like, if I pray for the food, it's going to be doubly blessed somehow. But you need to know this today. God doesn't send me emails, okay? I, I don't get texts from God that say, Pastor, this is exactly what you need to do. You know, Jesus himself didn't have an email with God the Father, but here's what he did. He waited and he listened for his voice, and he responded in obedience to what God was saying. And I have to confess today, there are some times when I'm just as much in the dark about hearing God as you are. That's why I believe the number one need for our church is prayer. Because there are times, and they're usually in the times of prayer, when God speaks to us and we have no doubt that it's God speaking. When my wife calls me on the phone, I, I don't have to ask, who is this? Because I have caller ID. No, because I know her voice, right? I hear her voice. I don't have to say, who is this, right? And, and there are times when, when God speaks to me, and I just know, man, that's, that's the voice of God. That's God speaking. But what is it that makes the difference in our lives? When we're looking for God's direction and his will, I think, number one, it's are we listening? But secondly, is our attitude right? Are, are we listening, really desiring, desiring to hear from him, or are we trying to just back up our own ideas and our own thoughts, right? God wants to speak to us, and he's calling us as his people to tune into his voice. Luke 8.8 8 says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, we need to tune our ear to hear the voice of God. And, and one of the ways that God speaks into our lives is through impressions or ideas that he, that he gives to us. But if I get these impressions or ideas in my life, I feel like God's saying this, how do I know if it's really him or just my own thoughts, right? Because there are three primary voices that you're going to hear in your life. The, the voice of God, your own voice, and the voice of the enemy. Yes, even the enemy. The Bible says Satan can influence our thoughts. And so if we're making major life decisions, right, we're thinking about some major life decisions about, man, who am I going to marry or what career change or where am I going, right? These are major things that we need to hear from God on. So how do you know when it's really God speaking to you? First John 4.1 says this, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. You know that today, right? There's many false prophets in the world. And so this passage is telling us we got to test what we hear. The Bible says we need to learn to discern when God is speaking or whether what we're hearing is some other voice. And so I want to give you seven ways to test an impression or an idea. And, and these really form a filter for our lives. And, and all of them are necessary. If the impression you're getting or the leading you're getting passes through these filters, you can know that it's God speaking to you. And so here's the test. There's the first question. Number one, does it agree with the Bible? Understand, God never contradicts his written word. Luke 21, 33 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, Jesus says, will not pass away. Understand this, God will never tell you to ignore or violate anything in this book. Never. Because God doesn't say one thing one day and another thing the next day, all right? He's always consistent in what he speaks. For example, one time Jesus was teaching and he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, he was saying, pay your taxes. And so if you're in a place where you're getting this impression and you think, man, you know what? I don't agree with how the government spends my money. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not so in agreement with that. And so maybe it's okay for me to cheat on my income taxes, 
want to tell you today that's not from God. Why? Because it's inconsistent with how he's already spoken in his word, okay? So you don't have to pray about it, but you do have to pay your taxes, okay? Um, There are some things in life, right, that we don't have to ask God about. I don't need to ask God, should I be faithful to my wife? I know the answer is yes, right? I don't need to ask God, should I serve in the church? The answer is yes, because the Bible makes it clear that everyone who's a part of the body has a spiritual gift to build up the body of Christ. And so I want to be about building up the body with my life. I never pray about tithing. I know it's scriptural. I I just do it, right? I don't pray about telling other people the good news of, of the gospel, right? Why? Because it's right there. It's God's word. And so the first step when you get an impression or an idea and you're saying, and I wonder if this is from God, is to check it out with God's word. And the best way that you can do that is by memorizing the word of God, right? Think about that. If you're memorizing the word of God, then when an impression or an idea comes to your mind right away, God sometimes will bring a verse to mind, right, that will tell you, yes, this is what I'm calling you to or no, right? Secondly, here's the second question. Does it make me more like Christ? Whatever idea, whatever impression, whatever direction I feel like God's taking me doesn't make me more like Christ. Philippians 2.5 says, you must, in other words, it's not optional, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I've said it before, but it bears repeating today, Jesus is our standard, okay? As Christians, Jesus is the standard by which we measure everything we do. And so our goal is to live a Christ-centered, spirit-filled life. Our goal is to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, right? All of those qualities that we see in the life of Jesus, that those would be in our lives as well. And here's the reality. God would never tell you to do anything that would hinder you from reaching that goal. A practical application of what Christ-likeness is is James chapter 3, beginning there in verse 14, it says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and even says here they're demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. So even in that verse, you can see here are some filters to, to test an idea by, right, or a thought by. Is this from God? Understand, God's wisdom is not selfish ambition. Okay, if you get an idea and it's all about how you can promote yourself in a better way to achieve instant wealth or instant comfort, right? This is how I'm going to make it all good for me, right? I want to tell you it's not from God. If it's about instant wealth, it's probably a pyramid scheme, just to warn you, okay? Back away, right? But here's the thoughts, the ideas the Holy Spirit gives us. He gives us ideas to be more like Christ. Again, his, his wisdom is peace-loving. Ideas that come from God ultimately promote harmony rather than conflict. If it's an idea genuinely from, genuinely from God, the Bible says it's considerate. It's willing to yield to others. You know, there's some people that I've run into through the years who say, God told me to do this, and then they just run over anyone in their way. They don't care about who they hurt because they say, well, God told me to do this, and so I'm just going to do it because God told them to do it. 
Listen, if God told you to do something like that, I, I question whether God told you to do it because the Bible says that God's wisdom is considerate, right? It's submissive. Like if you really heard from God, you're not going to be all arrogant and bragging about it. God told me to do this, therefore I'm more spiritual than you are, right? God's wisdom is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. And so we need to ask this question, right? Would Jesus do this, right? It's, it's leading me, I feel like I'm to go, there. would Jesus do this, right? Remember the bracelets, what would Jesus do, right? First of all, does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with God's word? Second, does it make me more like Christ? And would Jesus do this? That's the second impression. Thirdly, when I'm trying to figure out whether a thought or an idea is from God, I need to ask, does my church family confirm that idea? You see, when you become a believer, a follower of Christ, you not only get a new relationship with God, you get a new relationship to other people. It's called the church. It's called the family of God. You become a member of the family of God. And God never meant for you to make major life decisions on your own. He wants you to get help and advice from wise Christians, mature Christians, right? Other believers who are grounded in the faith. The Bible says this in Proverbs 12, 15, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Fools just think, man, I know the right thing to do and I'm just going to do it, right, without ever checking with anybody else who may be a more mature believer. That third question is, does my church family confirm it? Ephesians 3.10 says God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in a rich variety of ways. God can use the church, each of us, right, to display his wisdom. Listen, if God has genuinely spoken to you, if you've got an idea or an impression, he's going to confirm it through other believers, trusted believers in your life. You know, the biggest reason that people mess up their lives, Christians too, is they try to live without any accountability to anyone else. They try to live without any support, any confirmation, right, any guidance. They're making some major life decisions. I'm quitting my job. I'm going to school. I'm going to the mission field without any counsel whatsoever. I'm like, who, who did you talk to about this, right? Who, who, who did you go to for counsel? You see, when we try to, to live a Lone Ranger approach to Christian life, we're going to fall flat on our faces. Are you willing? Are you open to counsel? Are you open to the correction of mature believers and pastors and Christian leaders, other people in the church who maybe have been walking this road long before you have? If you're not, you're going to make a lot of unnecessary mistakes. Your stress level is going to be a lot higher than it needs to be. You're going to fumble. You're going to fall. You're going to waste time and energy and money on decisions that you shouldn't have made in the first place. And so check it out with other believers. Remember, it was almost 16 years ago that my wife and I were ministering in San Francisco and we felt like the uh, Lord was leading us to, to leave there and we were sensing a call to come back to New York, which was odd because when we left to the mission field, we kind of said goodbye to New York and never thought we'd be back here and God was directing us that way. And so before we made any decisions, we came here. I remember sitting down with the elders of this church and saying, here's what we're sensing, here's what we're seeing. Please, if you're seeing something I'm not seeing, right, would you let me know? And we brought it before other mature Christians who we know that were like, yes, that we, we believe that's where God is, is, is leading you, all right? Because here's the reality. Even in life, every decision in life, not every good opportunity is a God opportunity. 
Just because it looks good doesn't mean it's a God opportunity. And, and so take those decisions and run them before godly people. But in the same way, I would also say this, don't cast your pearls before swine. When God's speaking, don't expect unbelievers to confirm what God's speaking to you, okay? Don't let uh, blind people proofread a God-given vision in your life. You need to be careful about who you bring that before because in the same way that a Christian brother or sister could encourage you, someone outside of the faith will not understand sometimes the things of faith. But I hear a lot of people today saying, I mean, especially through this COVID season, right? Man, I I don't need to belong to or attend a church, right? I can get some of the best preaching online. I'm just going to stay home. I can listen to whoever I want to listen to. I don't need the church. Now, I have to ask, is that true? No. (laughs) Listen, I don't think you can honestly read the Apostle Paul or Peter's letters and conclude this, that you don't need to belong to a local church. Paul uses the term ecclesia 114 times, and it means the gathered assembly or, or the gathered ones. He defines the church as belonging to God, and so we know the church is divinely created by God. And so this idea of not belonging to a church is completely inconsistent with Scripture. It's inconsistent with church history, okay? I, I can't tell you how many families have suffered, individuals who have suffered through the years because of this wrong thinking. I'm just going to go my own way, right? Pastor, I'm just going to take a break from church for a while. Well, you think that's scriptural, right? Is that really God speaking to you? Some people that say, you know, this is my own personal journey. I don't think that thinking is from God. Listen, if you've heard from God and you've really heard from God, other Christians are going to confirm what you've heard. Proverbs 11.9 says, with their words, the godless destroy." destroy their friends. But listen to this, knowledge will rescue the righteous. Knowledge will rescue the righteous. Rescue you from what? From wasting time, from wasting money, from destroying a godly reputation. It is safe to ask mature believers to evaluate impressions you get. You need to get people around you, listen to me, who love you enough to be honest with you, okay? Love you enough to be honest with you. If other mature Christians question what you're hearing or sensing, that should be like a yellow light. You ought to say, maybe I'm not getting this right. The Bible says that God speaks through his word. He he speaks if it makes us more like Jesus, and he speaks through the body as a whole. We need each other. Listen, this is why we encourage you to get into community groups. The, The purpose of these is so you can pray with and you can build relationships with other believers, that there's godly counsel that's available to you. Number four, fourth question, is it consistent with how God has shaped me? What you're hearing, what you're sensing, is it consistent with how God has shaped you? Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship. I love this verse. The, The Greek word there is poema. It means poetry, right? We are God's poetry created in Christ Jesus to do Good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Some translations say that he laid out for us to do. There's this path for our lives, right? God prepared something in advance for us. Understand, before you were born, God planned your life. God made you for a purpose. You're not here by accident today. You're here for a reason. And the reason is a purpose, and God designed you specifically for that purpose. The clock on the back wall back there is designed for a certain thing. It's designed to keep me from speaking forever. How many of you are thankful for the clock, right? And thank God for the clock, right? Um, This microphone has a very different purpose. It has a very different design. I speak through the microphone. I tell time by the clock, not the microphone, right? 
If I was to say to some of you who know me well, you know what, I think I'm going to join the worship team next week and I'm going to sing frontline vocals, right? If I asked some of you who know me, who love me enough to be honest with me, you would say, Pastor, please don't do that, right? Like, that's not your gifting, and I would have to agree with you, okay? And, and that's okay, because we're each designed in a certain way. How beautiful is it that God has shaped each of us in a different way? He's shaped you for a specific career and ministry, for a life involving those spiritual gifts, for your heart and your passions and your desires. I mean, where do you think you got your emotional makeup from? God gave it to you. He gave us all different uh, hearts, right? Why? Because he wants this church to to come together in in a unique way that would ultimately bring him glory in this world. Some people love to be up here on the stage, and some of you absolutely hate it. You're terrified. Don't ever put me up there, right? Um, Some of you really love children. Some of you don't. If you don't, I encourage you, pray about that, okay? Just pray about it. But also, if you'd say, I don't know how I feel about kids, please don't volunteer for a kid's ministry, all right? Like, G-Kids is not the place for you. There are some great people who love children who are pouring into the lives of our kids. Some of you are better at preaching. Some of you are better at teaching to a crowd. Others of you uh, are great at working with the youth, and you need to talk to Edwin, right? Um, But you would make a terrible greeter because you're talking to one person and everybody else is walking by, right? God has given you a certain personality and he's given you a certain giftings. You may be extroverted or you may be introverted like myself. Who, who do you think gave you your personality? God did. And he was designing you for a purpose. Think about this. And he gives you experiences. All of us have vocational experiences, right? Vocational experiences, spiritual experiences, educational experiences. All of us have painful experiences, Right? And all of those experiences shape my life to be what it is today. Just as the design of the clock reveals its purpose, the design or the shape of your life reveals your purpose and what God wants you to do. And so when you get an impression or an idea and you say, I feel like God's leading me this way, you should ask this question, is it consistent with how God has shaped me? Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean God won't stretch you sometimes out of your comfort zone. Remember when I was a teenager, I, made it, I had a prayer to God. I said, God, I'll go anywhere and do anything you want me to do. Just don't put me on a stage and make me pe- speak to people because I can't do that. I'm terrified of that, right? Sometimes he'll stretch us beyond our comfort zone, but in general, he shapes our lives in a way that we can see, okay? Romans 12, 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. There are certain things that you're going to be able to do with your life that I can't do. There's certain things that I'm going to be able to do with my life that that you can't do, right? God has given us each certain gifts for doing certain things well. Find out what that is and give yourself to it. You see, God's voice and his will for your life will never contradict how he has basically designed you. And so if you ever sense a leading that is completely contrary to your basic shape and your personality and your experiences, you can say, this is probably not from God because God uses all of those things. The fifth test is this. Does it concern my responsibility? When God is, you feel like God's speaking, does this concern my responsibility? If it's not your responsibility, why in the world would God talk to you about it? John 21, Jesus is talking to Peter and he tells him basically how he's going to die. He explains to Peter he's going to have to suffer for being a Christian, basically he's saying there. And, and Peter is very curious and he turns around and he points to the apostle John. He says, well, what about that guy, right? 
Tell me what's going to happen with him. And Jesus says, it's none of your business, basically, right? It's none of your business. Don't worry about him. Listen, I don't have to worry about God's will for every single person in this church. I can speak into your life. I can pray for you. But I know this, that ultimately God is speaking to you, right? God is speaking to you. And so we don't always have to worry about our neighbors. Sometimes we come to church, especially with our spouses, with our speaking with our elbow, right? Did you hear that? Maybe you need to hear that again, right? Did you catch that, right? And so we leave here, and we've got words for everybody else, right? But, but has God really spoken to us? You see, Romans 14, 12 tells us this, that each will give a personal account to God. And so when you listen for God's voice, listen for yourself, not for someone else, right? It's like when you're on the airplane, the oxygen mask pops down, put yours on first before you help somebody else, right? There's a lot of people that have no idea what God's speaking to them, but they want to tell everybody else what God's speaking to, to them, right? Right? Listen, when you listen for God's voice, listen for yourself first, and, and don't worry about becoming a prophet for everyone else. Like, hear what God is saying to you first. What does a prophet for everyone else sound like? He, he's, he goes around saying, here's what God says for you. This is the word of the Lord for you. But listen to me today. Every Christian has direct access to God. God can speak directly to each of us through the Holy Spirit. And so be very careful about saying, God told me to tell you to do this. Does God ever use other believers to speak? Yes, absolutely. He uses me at times to, to speak to other people. Yes, he does. But some qualifications to that. Number one, God often uses us to confirm what he's already said to someone else. It's very unlikely that God's going to tell me first about something in your life. But God will use me at times to confirm what he's already said to you, right? There's oftentimes God gives me uh, an impression or, or something in my mind for a, a person or for a couple. And then it, they would walk up to me and say, Pastor, this is going on in my life. And I'd say, well, that's just a confirmation of what God was, was showing me, right? Listen, if God uses me to speak into someone else's life, he will often also do it without me knowing about it, right? There's many times uh, on a Sunday morning, somebody come up to me and say, Pastor, you know what you spoke about two months ago? When you spoke that word, that was directly for me, right? I had no idea. I said, no, no, that was for me. I was preaching that to myself, right? But it spoke to their lives. And so trust God also to speak to that person first before you talk to them. Sometimes God will give you an impression. I want to share this with that person. Before you speak, pray that God would speak to them. Number six, here's the sixth question. Is it convicting rather than condemning? When, it, when there's an impression in my mind or an idea, that is it, is it convicting rather than condemning? Understand, conviction is from God. Condemnation is from the devil. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit, and it ultimately leads to change in our lives. Condemnation just makes you feel bad, and it leaves you stuck where you are. So when, when God convicts you of sin, understand this, in your life, it's always specific. He'll, he'll put his finger on something and say, here's an attitude or here's a behavior. Here, here's something in your life that needs to change. But condemnation comes from the devil, and it's, it's usually very, very vague, right? Now, sometimes here, well, you're just, you're just not a good pastor, or you just don't preach like so-and-so, or you, you don't lead like so-and-so. God could, could never use you. Where does that condemning voice come from when I hear it? I got to know that's from the enemy, right? When God speaks to you about something, it is not condemning. It's convicting, and it's always very specific. He'll say, here's what's wrong in your life, and here's what you need to do to change. 
He'll give you specific things. And the result always leads to, it ought to lead to confession and repentance and forgiveness. And then those feelings leave, right? That feeling leaves. On the other hand, condemnation is the devil saying, you know what, you're worthless. (laughs) You call yourself a Christian. Who do you think you are, right? You, You should give up trying to live for God because you can't do anything. You just keep falling short, right? Satan is a liar and a thief. Understand, his words will always come to put you down and to steal away the work that God is doing in your life. Again, convictions come from God and from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation comes from the devil. And, and so if you're a Christian in the house today, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and the finished work on the cross, if you've asked him to forgive you of all of your sins and to be the Lord of your life, it means this, that your past sins are forgiven. It also means today's sins are forgiven. Those sins that happened in the minivan on the way to church, right? they're under the blood today. They are forgiven. You can say, God, forgive me, right? Tomorrow's sins, they're forgiven. All of our sin is nailed to the cross. That's why Jesus said it's finished, it's paid for, it's done. You know, many people think in order to be spiritual, I have to walk around feeling guilty all the time, right? Like I have to just constantly feel guilty. Man, I I really let God down again. Here's the truth. You don't ever let God down because you're not holding him up. He holds you up, man. And, And you can't surprise or disappoint God. Think about this, because he already knows every single sin that you're going to commit. And so think about the freedom in that, that when you sin, you you can immediately breathe in God's Holy Spirit and say, God, fill me with your spirit once again, and you can breathe out that sin. It's just that quick. You can instantly get back into fellowship with God. You can let go of that guilt. You can say, man, God, I blew it. I was wrong. Help me to change. And then guess what? You get on with life. You keep moving forward. Amen. You can keep short accounts with God because God is forgiving. And so, again, conviction from God leads to confession and repentance and forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, he wipes that slate clean. He doesn't hold any grudges. And so understand, ongoing guilt after a true confession is not from God, it's from Satan. And it's amazing how Satan lies to us, right? Before we fall into sin, he says, oh, that, that, that sin, whatever that temptation is, oh, it's no big deal, it's just a little thing. And after you commit that sin, he's like, look what you did, man. You're horrible, I can't believe you actually did that, right? Think about that. He wants us to walk around in constant guilt because guilty Christians are stuck and they're not moving forward. If Satan can keep you stuck in your guilt, he's won because you're no longer serving the king the way you ought to. Revelation 20.10 says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, but God never tells you that you're worthless and hopeless and useless. If what you're hearing, again, is conviction, it's the Holy Spirit. If it's condemning, it's from the enemy, and you can push it aside. Finally, number seven, do I sense God's peace about it? Whatever decision is before me, whatever I feel like God's leading me to, do I sense God's peace about it? And you would say, well, pastor, how do I get that peace, right? Like, how do I I have that peace? Well, I would say this, you pray through it. Whatever it is you feel like God's leading to, you can pray through that thing, okay? Okay. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 6, it says this, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you, what does it say? Will experience God's peace. I love that. It doesn't say you might experience God's peace. There could possibly be peace. No, he says you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so when something comes to mind, you feel like God's leading me this way. Pray through it. All right, now that's not just a quick prayer, God, uh, would you lead me? It's pray through it, begin to pray through it. And, and if you, you've prayed through that for some time and you still feel completely anxious and worried and no peace about it, then I could say this, it's not from God. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring you peace, right, when you seek him. There's been times in my life when I've had no peace about something, but I wanted it so bad. Anybody ever been there, right? And and you push through it. I got no peace, but I'm going to keep pushing through. Listen to me. That is a a gift from God, the lack of peace, right, at times to know, man, this is not where he's leading me. Again, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring you peace. I believe if you listen to what God speaks into your life, you will inevitably come to the right conclusion that you need to give your life to Christ and you need to live your life the way that God made you to live, that you need to fulfill your purpose. Understand, the key to peace is submitting to God's authority through obedience. An obedient Christian, again, is one who hears God's voice and responds. But at the same time, don't expect God to hear God's voice if you're living in direct obedience to what he already said to you. Okay? If you're living in direct obedience to the scripture, that kind of lifestyle is just going to create unnecessary worry and anxiety. And, and worry and anxiety are never from God, never. In the Bible, we're commanded not to worry, right? And if you get an idea, again, that calls you worry, bring it before God. And after praying, if you have no peace, you can trust it's not from God. You know, as we're walking through this discipleship series uh, through this year, I, I pray that you would say today, man, I want to live for Jesus. Like I understand that he loves me and ultimately has what's best for my life, but there's nothing more vital in our lives than hearing from God. There's nothing. Because we're wired, we're made to have a relationship with God. And, and if we miss that, we miss the purpose that we were made for. There's a lot of decisions that come before us in life, and some of them are minor, right? I go to the grocery store, I'm going to buy apples or oranges. Who cares? I don't need to pray about that, right? But there are some, some big decisions in my life. And I find a lot of Christians feel like, almost like it's a cat and a mouse game, right? Like, can I ever really understand God's will for my life? Like, almost like God's saying, let's see if they figure this out, right? Like, he's trying to make it hard for you to know his will. I remember when Sadie and I were youth pastoring in San Francisco so many times, I'd have young people that would come to me and honestly say, man, what if I miss God's will for my life? Like, what if I miss it? And I would say this, and I want to say it to you this morning, even more than you desire to know God's will for your life, he desires to reveal it to you, right? Like, what kind of father would hide from you his purpose and his plan for your life? He desires to reveal it to you. And so as you're getting an impression from the Holy Spirit in your life, here are some, again, filters to know if it's you or if it's God talking. Does it agree with the word of God? Does it make you more like Christ? Does your church family confirm it? Is it consistent with how God has shaped you? Does it concern your responsibility? Is it convicting rather than condemning? And do you sense God's peace about it when you've prayed through it? But I got to tell you, the real secret to hearing God clearly is getting to know him better and better every single day. 
closer the relationship you have with God, the better you'll know his voice, the better you'll be able to recognize when he's speaking. Some of you, again, may feel like, man, God's never spoken to me, and all I would do is just hold up the Bible and say, God's spoken. He, he desires to speak to us. But sometimes, honestly, you're like, well, I, I, I don't know what's for me, and I don't know if he's speaking to me. I want to say that's probably a good indication that you don't have, don't have a relationship with him, okay? You can know about him and not have a relationship with him. John 8, 47, Jesus said, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. For many, the reason they don't hear is they don't belong to God. And if you're here today and you've uh, never heard God speak, probably means that you need to establish a relationship with him. If you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ, you can, you can do that today. It's as simple as, as praying and saying, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to know your direction for my life. I, I want you to guide me, God. I, I want to establish a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. I, and you can just pray a prayer even this moment. Say, God, I ask you to come into my life. For, forgive my sins. You may say, I, I don't understand it all, but as best as I know how, God, I open my life to you. If you would pray a prayer like that today, Jesus would come in and sup with you. That means he'll come and he'll build a relationship with you. And you can begin to hear him speak. You can begin to recognize his voice. He will guide your life. Would you stand with me as we prepare to close? I also want to speak to the believers in the room today. I want to speak to some of you, man, who in the past, man, God's voice was very clear to you at different times, but now it's, it's a little fuzzy and it's a little distant. And maybe you're asking, I, what happened? Like, how come I, I don't hear God as clearly as I used to be? And I would encourage you to do this. Just take a moment before the Holy Spirit and say, is there sin that I've allowed in my life? It's blocking the channel that the Holy Spirit uses to speak into my life. You see, until you confess that sin and repent, that, that channel's a little blocked. That communication is a little off. And so God's calling out to some of you today. He says, oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen. Listen to the words of my mouth. As we prepare to come to the communion table, it's a good time. It's a good time to examine ourselves. So we can all ask, man, has, has my heart grown cold, Lord, to your voice? Am I not as sensitive to your voice as I used to be? Some of you haven't heard God's voice in a long time, and if you're honest, you could say, yeah, my heart's grown cold, my ears are plugged. Jesus said to the church in Ephesus, because you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Listen, if you're not hearing from God at all, I can say this without a doubt, the problem is not on God's side, but yours. <laughs> So maybe today you just need to say, Jesus, forgive me for allowing sin to come into my life that's a distraction from you. Forgive me for allowing things that, that I know were wrong to come into my life anyway. And so you can just ask him even right now, God, forgive me. Help me to clear out these sins so that I can change and I can hear your voice. Just pray even now, God, I want to hear your voice in my life on a daily basis. I want you to speak to me. And so help me to sense your love. I, I want to love you. I want to follow you. For some of you, it's time to come home to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I want that relationship I had before. I want you to direct me. However you need to respond in prayer before we 
come to the communion table and receive the elements. Just take that time. Whether it's crying out to him for the very first time and establishing a relationship with a God who loves you. Asking for forgiveness and asking Jesus to come in and lead your life or whether it's just saying, God, would you bring me back to my first love? I want to clear out anything that would hinder me from hearing your voice. Just respond in prayer as the Lord leads before we receive the elements today.